This is Jen from Grace for Single Parents, where your parenting and God's grace collide. Welcome back to Grace for Single Parents. I'm here today with communications expert and coach Monique Russell. How are you doing today? Hi, Jen. I am just wonderful. Happy to be chatting with you today. Yes, I'm very excited to have you on. You wrote a book titled Intentional Motherhood, Who Said It Would Be Easy? I love that title because it is so true. What led you to write the book? Well, I'm a mom and I have two boys. So my oldest one is 21 and my youngest is 15 right now. But I had my first kid when I was 18. I was in college. And my journey through raising him and going to school, having my other son trying to work and do all the mothering things that should be done was the impetus for the book. But in my work as a communications expert and coach, I also support a lot of other women who are moms. And throughout my coaching experiences, I saw that there was a blend between their issues, my issues, my family's issues. And I really wanted to take my formal and professional expertise area along with what I learned from being a mom and share it with those, put it in a book and leave it for my legacy. Women just like me who may not have been aware or may not um, know how to use the communication skills to have a better relationship with themselves and also or more importantly, with their children. I love how you say that you did it to leave a legacy. That's awesome. Yeah. So one of the chapters I really liked was when you talk about parenting out of a place of fear versus love. What exactly do you mean by that? So I think a lot of times we tend to feel as parents, we are doing the right thing when we, for example, become detectives, meaning that we find every and every every and anything that our kids are doing wrong so that we can um, help them to correct it. And so with that whole mindset and that whole approach, it tends to lead us towards this path of micromanaging where we are, we say that we really just want them to get good grades. We want them to be good humans. We want them to grow up connecting with each other, but we're really, we're being driven by a fear, um, not really a love, but a fear for them not to make any mistakes, not to have to go down the wrong path, as opposed to really reshifting or thinking about how to empower them to make those right choices. And if they make mistakes, to give themselves compassion, to give themselves grace. And I remember um, a specific example with one of my boys and, you know, he was being disciplined for something that he did. And he said to me, you know, how come I get to be punished and you guys don't get to be punished? And at first I was like, well, I mean, first off, buddy, I'm the parent, you know, like that's, (laughs) that was the first response. Like I'm the parent. And so that's, that's also um, a dictator response. Like just because I'm the parent, it doesn't mean that I have a hierarchy to do, treat, or speak to him however I want without any repercussions. Mm. Because if I cannot demonstrate to him what it's like to be respected in at the home, 
how can I expect him to recognize what that is like outside of the home? So anyway, my initial response was that, and he said, you know, if he's getting his gadgets taken away, how come he can't take mine away? And, you know, it was that initial conversation. But I went to my uh, conversation with my therapist and I brought it up and she was like, um, what were you, what would you be afraid of? Like, why don't you, why don't you let him have his own way or something like that? There was a conversation around and I was like, let him have his own way. Like, no, like, no. She said, what would that mean? And so as I was reflecting and I thought about it and I was like, well, he would just do whatever he wants. Um, he would become abusive. He would, he would just, you know, have all the control and all of those things came up. And as we dove deeper into why I felt that way, it took me back to an experience when I was growing up um, as, a, as a young girl. And the story that came up was, you know, one of those times when I went out, my mom gave me permission to go out, but at the last minute, she changed her mind. And I was like, I'm going anyway. And I did. And when I came back, um, it was just an experience where she was standing by the door. My friends dropped me off and it was dark and I didn't know that they could see her standing by the door. So I was like pretending under my breath, like, mom, open the door, please. You know, and, <laughs> and she just stood there at the window looking at me. And I turned to my friends and I'm like, I'm waiting for her, you know, to open the door. And they were like, you know, she's standing right there by the window. And I was like, oh, open the door, please. You know, so anyway, I, as soon as she opened, I ran straight to my room and I locked the door because I didn't want to get punished. I didn't want to get spanked. And so that story or that memory came up. And so my therapist and I, we explored how that memory came up to me um, having the response and the approach to my son, which that emotion was connected around mm. fear. So it was such an eye-opening conversation for me. And, and so I feel like as parents, we, um, to take time to be reflective on why we are parenting the way we are parenting and to really think about coming from that place of love, you know, that place of self-control, the place of gentleness, the place of patience and kindness. And, you know, um, we, we tend to have the kindness piece, but sometimes the self-control piece, we, we lose it and we just let it go. Because again, we think that the hierarchy gives us all the authority and all the right, um, just because they're the little humans and we're the big adults that we have this type of control. And that is often driven by fear and not, not love. Yeah. I think so many of us do feel like kind of like coming from an authoritative parenting style. And then we try that with our kids and it doesn't seem to work. I don't know if it worked for us, but, but unfortunately I think it just makes us more stick to our guns more, you know? and not being willing to back down. It's kind of, it can be difficult to recognize it as well, unless like what happened with your son, they call you on it. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know if it works or not, but like with my oldest son, it, it worked a bit. And then I reflected and I was like, Oh, I don't really think that was the best approach. But, um, with my youngest one, he, mm -mm, he wasn't having it. It was that rebellious spirit that was coming out. And so, I mean, 
we just have to be mindful. We just have to be mindful and be intentional, give ourselves grace. We're doing the best we can. And to really recognize people say um, back in the day, it worked. The kids just listened, they followed, mm. but well, yes and no, because we have a lot of adults and I see women and men that I serve in my practice who are in their mid, late 40s, 50s, 60s, who are wishing and praying and hoping for a great relationship with their parents, oh. one where they could have an apology for something that happened in the younger years or being estranged from their siblings you know, things like that. So I, I think we, we tend to think that everything in the past was the right thing. And the generation before that said the same thing. And the generation before that <laughs> said the same thing. Um, but we're evolving. And we, we just want to really be uh, intentional about what's driving our, our um, behaviors and how to demonstrate to our children how to process all of our emotions and feelings. Yeah, because that will affect them too. Like in, in your book, you say, um, when we develop, everyone around us grows, you know, just like, I think my therapist said to me not too long ago, like we're all cogs in a wheel. And as one starts to get better, you know, the others will begin to follow suit or they might fall off. You know, some people don't like you're changing, but that did remind me of that. Definitely. Um, because even with my own experience with that awakening, it wasn't just a conversation that I had with my, my therapist. Now that I had that awareness, I had that conversation with my kids. And I said, hey, guess what I learned? I learned that this is why I respond to things when you say this. And this oh, is why mm -hmm. I respond. And he said, you know, I could see that. I could see that. I could see Nana was like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see. <laughs> you know? so, so now, now it's stimulating conversation at a deeper level. And even as my husband is watching the conversations and, you know, seeing what happens, it's also creating awareness for him too. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you had your children or your first child at 18, you said, mm -hmm. is that right? Okay. Yep. So what were some of the challenges you had being a teenage mom? So this is completely, it's going to be completely opposite than what most people tend to think when they hear of teen okay. moms. Um, and they, they do think like it's a lot of challenge, but for me, I say it was one of the best times of my life. Um, I was in Minnesota at the time. There was a daycare on campus and that was run by um, some of the faculty, but then a lot of the students who were studying early childhood education, they were looking to pursue their degree in early childhood. So they loved kids. They couldn't wait to get to work. And so I had all that energy and positive um, influence and impact around my son who was going to school on the campus daycare at the time. Mm. So I had the support that was on campus. When I first had my son, my mom came up and she was there with me when I delivered. Uh, but the community that I found myself in, I didn't have family there. I, I just had strangers that I, <laughs> that I met, strangers who then became family. Well, they became friends and they became family. So I was going to school, I was working two jobs, I was taking my classes and I felt great um, because everything was working out just fine. And two years after I had my son, I was asked to do training workshops for moms, for parents, 
who uh, were coming to school, who were thinking about having kids and they were twice my age. And I guess it stood out. And it was so much to the fact that my son ended up being on the cover of the Department of Education's magazine because he was literally wow. all over campus everywhere <laughs> I would go. I just, he was just there. He grew up in that environment with me. Um, and so I didn't see myself as being handicapped. You know, in my book, I talk about it not being about age and not being about biology, but being mm -hmm. about identity, which back then I had no clue. I didn't know that's what it was. But in reflection, um, I realized that, okay, it's because I saw myself a certain way and I didn't succumb to what others said would happen. I just didn't see it like that. And so it doesn't really matter if you're 18, if you're 40, you know, you can still have, or if you're not a biological um, parent, if you're a foster mom, if you're an adoptive mom, it just matters how you see yourself as a mom and redefining what that identity looks like for you. So, you know, instead of just going along with the flow of, okay, just adding, 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 and not being able to keep up when things get overwhelming and feeling like we're failing as moms, to really think about how the identity of being a mom is now embraced into your world, into your way of work, into your way of living. So for me, I was going to school, I was working and he was, he was just a part of me, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. So your book, I think is it's for working moms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really a leadership book, I would say, but leadership like working moms leadership like within your home or how do you see that at home and at work because I believe leadership is the lifestyle so we're leading our families you know leading your family like a business and leading your business like mm. a family mm. so how do we lead our family especially for single moms I don't know if you were a single mom did you start out that way yes okay mm -hmm. so how can single parents feel like that they're leading when they feel like they're doing everything and sometimes it doesn't feel like leading but surviving you know Right. And so that's where I would say the identity portion comes in because we are the way we see ourselves is what drives our behavior. So if we see ourselves as um, someone who's a dancer or someone who's a chef, if we see ourselves as someone, let's use that example, someone who's a chef and we don't make dinner uh, for our kids two days in a row, we're not going to beat us up beat ourselves up and say, you know, well, I'm failing, I'm struggling because I didn't give my child a home cooked meal for two days. If in our mind, we see ourselves as chefs, we know that, yeah, just two days not making a, a home cooked meal isn't going to change the way um, I'm interacting as a chef with my child or things like that. So I would say starting with that identity portion, really being intentional, because when we're planning for our jobs, when we're planning for vacation, when we're planning where our kids are going to go to daycare or school, we take so much planning time and we sit down and we think it all the way through. But when it yeah. comes to motherhood, we don't take that same time to think through who we are, what our identity is, and what success looks like for us. We're just living out societal's society's default vision or version of what motherhood success should look like and it's different for everyone so I would say start there with that visioning process um, to see okay 
I see myself as a mom who cooks three times a week. I see myself as a, as a fitness mom. Fitness moms mean that we have um, gym clothes around. We have, you know, <laughs> 30 minute videos in our air. You know, we might pick up our kid and walk around the sofa twice because we see ourselves as fitness moms. That doesn't mean that we have to go outside and do a Zumba class, but because we see ourselves as fitness moms, we can do 10 pushups in front of the car. I mean, I'm just, you know, right. Uh, making it up. So uh, it depends on how we choose to embrace that identity in the same way someone would embrace an identity. If they say I'm an organic person, I eat organically. Mm. Well, if you eat organically, you're not going to McDonald's, you're going probably to whole foods, you know? So when we mm. see ourselves a certain way and we embrace the mindset and we embrace the identity of what motherhood means for us and how it's comfortable for us, then we live into that. We have behaviors that align with that. And we're not feeling like a failure if we're not living up to others' standards of motherhood success. Yeah. So how do you, how would you advise someone to start to go about that? Like the chef example, um, is it just a chef? Do you, do you, is it self-talk affirmations? How do you start them, get them started on that? Yeah, so I would go through a visioning process. And then there are some exercises in the book too to start to think and write about um, how you see yourself. I'm the type of mom who, right? And keep it very general because when you get into the weeds of being very specific, then you tie yourself up into um, maybe an identity that would be very hard for you to keep. So for example, um, I have a friend who her motherhood identity was tied to her having her kids physically with her. And when she separated from her spouse and her kids were staying with her spouse, it just rocked her entire world. Yeah. So having a new approach to say, well, maybe it's not like this is something that they have to be physically with me for me to be a good mom, or I have to be there with them every night to do their homework for me to be a good mom. But if, we, if we're concerned about, let's say the education portion, well, I'm the type of mom who provides the best academic experiences for my child, as opposed to I'm the type of mom who has to be there every night to look over my child's homework. So if you're the type of mom and you see yourself who provides the best academic experiences, that may not mean you have to be there physically. It could mean that you support them um, in other ways. So you're really creating um, a visioning for yourself that allows you to win as a mom and allows your child to win. Because when we feel better, we parent more effectively. When we're not feeling strong or we're not feeling like we're measuring up or we're not feeling good enough, the, that hurt, that, that, redirect, that, that gets redirected to our kids and they pick it up. So it, it could be misplaced, um, misplaced or mis, misdirected feelings of hurt or unworthiness. So the, our goal is to create a vision for us that we can start with. If you feel like it's too big, start with something small. 
at the end of the day, you're thinking about your child. How can I create something that I can step into so that at the end of the day, both me and my child can feel better. We can connect better. Yeah, that's so good. Especially, I think we have those thoughts in our head that we don't even realize. So when we're not able to be there, especially, you know, single parents who can't tuck their kid in every night. I mean, in our head, that was just what we were going to do. And when we're not doing it, it's, it can feel like a failure, which can bleed into, you know, parenting and everything else. Yeah. And I, I will give you a personal example with my eldest son, um, you know, his dad and his family, they, they're very much involved in his life. And I remember like one of the his side of the family in-laws was very upset that I chose to respond differently to the situation. And I'm like, well, I'm the mom and I'm not upset, you know? Mm -hmm. So why are you upset? You know? Mm -hmm. So it's really thinking through, okay, at the end of the day, because we have a very great, um, our families have very good uh, relationships, very good connection. Um, and people would often be like, what is going on? This is kind of weird. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, I thought through several things and it was like, look, my son gets to have more people who he has positive experiences with, oh, mm-hmm. even if, even if he only connects with them once a year, which I'm just making it up. Mm-hmm. Even if he only connects once a year, that's a once a year positive imprint that he gets to have you know what I'm saying so when you think about oh I want to put him on child support I want to do this I want to do that well at the end of the day my my son was always going to eat he was never going to go hungry because I'm his mom that's how Mm -hmm. I saw myself Mm -hmm. as the mom like at the end of the day he's going to eat um and so choosing what is most important, choosing your battles, choosing what's most important is what's going to help you to move through the space of not feeling guilty, Mm -hmm. um, not beating yourself up, and then just having a a better chance to connect with your child. Yeah. And having the confidence as well, like you did to go with what you knew was best and right and not listening to everyone else. Yeah, because they'll they'll jump on you, Jen. They'll be like, you need to do this. You need to do that. They're using this type of shampoo and this. And I'm like, really? I don't care if you're using dishwashing liquid as long as you get the hair clean. Like, you know, sometimes right. we pick things that are not really, we're just picking for control, really. And that's, that's the true. fear piece that's coming up. Very true. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your coming on and giving us your advice. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, I would just say for everybody that's listening to seriously give yourself grace, like just give yourself grace. You're already doing a great job. You can't go back. If you did something wrong, you can't go back and redo it, but you can start afresh right now, right here. There were tons of things that I did wrong. And so you can start anew um, right now today. So give yourself grace and keep up the great work. That's great. How can listeners contact you? on my website at moniquerussell.com or on LinkedIn at Monique Russell, Clear Communication Coach. Great. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
you're a single parent, I invite you to check out my free ebook, Parenting Alone with Confidence. You can find it on graceforsingleparents.com and it'll be in the show notes. Thanks for listening.